Mason Rudolph's looked pretty smooth all summer, as I've been telling you all summer, but not one thing has changed in Latrobe about the quarterback hierarchy. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out as well. Rudolph was having the praise heaped upon him over the weekend at St. Vincent College, and I've no doubt that'll continue. I've also got no doubt that there, I shouldn't say no doubt, but there might be something behind that. But none of that should be a surprise to anyone, certainly not anybody listening to this program on a regular basis. And none of that changes that Mitch Trubisky is on an irreversible path to being this team's starter. But hey, let's give credit where due. Mason's been sharp. He's been crisp. He's been accurate. Take it from Chase Claypool over the weekend in Latrobe. Yeah, Mason, um, all the receivers say he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks. Like, it's crazy how accurate he is. Um, you know, he doesn't get enough um, praise and attention. So he's, um, you know, he's just as in the running as um, each of those guys. Love that. A wide receiver going to bat for his quarterback or one of his quarterbacks or all of his quarterbacks as every smart wide receiver in the history of football has ever done. But also, it's the truth. And it's something that I recall vividly sharing with you from the first OTA session, that Mason was putting the ball where it needed to go. That when it came to executing plays, and that's really all that about 99% of these drills are, he was executing them as well as anyone. But here, I think, is where the problem lies. It's been so long in Pittsburgh that we've had any kind of quarterback battle, even among backups, to analyze and to really seriously analyze that we might have lost sight about what all goes into the position because it's not just about standing there and executing scripted plays that have no checkdowns, no funny reads, no disguised defenses, no real mishaps, and oh, by the way, no bleeping pass rush. So, I mean, what you're talking about here is someone being handed a set of X's and O's and then being told to write X or write O and then writing X. Now, some are going to write X prettier than others, but you're still just writing X. That's what Mason's been doing, and i say it again, to his credit, he's doing it well. It means nothing, or at least next to nothing. And take that, please, from someone who believes it would be very much in the Steelers' best overall interest for Mason to push Mitch Trubisky and to be this team's active backup on the first Sunday of the football season. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, 
Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I'm not a Mason basher. Anybody who's listened to this program, even for a short spell, can attest to that. I'm one of the very few people I know who even gives him a prayer of competing for starting duty at any point in the 2022 season. Meaning that if Mitch were to go down, I believe Mason would be the next guy in and that you would not see a leapfrog of Kenny Pickett being thrown up there instead, you know, as if to symbolize the launch of the next wave of Steelers quarterbacking, like what we saw, you know, when Ben Roethlisberger took over for Tommy Maddox and never let the job go. I think what we're seeing here is, well, one of two things. One, Mason could be, and this is the most obvious one, cementing himself as number two while also pushing for number one. The other one, maybe this is what motivates Mason. It's hard to tell. He's not the easiest read. Is that he's setting himself up for a trade. He's setting himself up to really knock people's socks off in the preseason, and letting them call the Steelers and say, hey, (laughs) we could use that guy. Are you really not going to? But my broader point here is that we're just not going to know any of this. We're not going to know if anything that we're witnessing now is real until they get into those games. And we are going to see a lot of Mason Rudolph in the preseason. I can't be sure how they're going to structure their three exhibitions. And remember, it's now three. So maybe we'll see something akin to the first team offense actually getting a quarter or so in each of the first two games. You know what I mean? Because you'd still be looking at that third one, though, once in former Carolina game. This time it'll be against the Lions at home is the one in which you're just trying to protect people. You just don't want to see anybody get hurt. So if you've only got two preseason games, you're probably going to see a lot more of the first team than what you're used to seeing in the past. And also there's the Ben factor and the new quarterbacks and the battle and the offensive coordinator and everything else. You're going to see a lot. And you're going to have a lot of actual football plays, even if it's against the other guy's uh, B team or people who will soon be bagging groceries or begging for jobs in the CFL, They're still going to be coming at you. Their livelihoods depend on these games versus, you know, when you're in there against the other team's starters and all they want to do is get through it unhurt. If Mason impresses at that time, let's start having a conversation. For now, well, here's the thing I promised you. Call me all conspiratorial or whatever if you want, but... The head coach of your favorite football team has been known to find ways to work things into the media that benefit a stance he's taking within. A few years ago, for example, a certain prominent nose tackle, who shall go unnamed here, but you all know who I'd be talking about, was criticized in a report by an unnamed source as having shown up in not so great shape. There was even a suggestion, a hint thrown in there that he 
might not make the team. And what do you know? The next thing happens is that player starts getting into great shape and has himself all ready for a big season. Why? Mm, you know, just saying, just throwing it out there, you know. Hey, Chase, got a minute? Yeah, see those reporters over there? Why don't you go tell them how great Mason looks? Okay, coach. When we come back, J1Q. for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin, Kelly and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Evan Bachman, who says, Hey, DK, big fan, had a submission for J1Q. What is your ideal outlook for the Steelers quarterbacks this year? Mine is that Mitch plays a solid season while Pickett shows growth through practice and maybe a game or two starting due to injury. It feels like we could be in a position to trade Trubisky with a manageable salary for a good draft pick and have Kenny ready to start the year. Mason, I don't know where he fits, honestly, would love your take. I appreciate the question, Evan. It's got a lot of layers to it. And I touched on the Mason component, obviously, in the opening segment, at least where things stand at the moment, which is exactly where they've stood all summer. Not a thing has changed. Not in terms of reps not in terms of order, except for one thing, maybe. And that's that Kenny Pickett's reps have either gone down or they were scripted to go down. Meaning, either they've seen something there that they don't like, which is, to me, really a hard thing to swallow. He hasn't been great, but you just don't make decisions based on this type of football content that we're witnessing. Do you see what I'm saying? Or, so my choice here out of those options would be that the Steelers are pretty much set in their idea that Pickett's going to take a while to come along, that he's not going to be a snap the finger and throw him out there, that he really wasn't part of the original plan might even work its way into it. Think about that. Mitch was signed well before the draft. Mitch and Mason were supposed to be the one and two quarterbacks. And of course, there was a brief period of time where they overlapped with Dwayne Haskins. So they even had their number three guy. And then Kenny comes along and for as much potential as Kenny clearly has and for the um, advanced elements to his game, as well as his advanced age being 24 years old, he's got to be at least verbally given a chance to compete. But, you know, he's been number three from the very first snap of OTAs. And 
there was seven shots over the weekend. For anybody who doesn't know what seven shots are, that's like the main event in Latrobe. That's actual football. Everything right now, anyway, that you can do without tackling, they'll be putting on the pads and start hitting today, as a matter of fact, out at St. Vincent, a 1.55 p.m. practice if you're headed out there. But Kenny was left out of seven shots for big chunks of seven shots. It was just about the two quarterbacks. And again, Mitch was taking the first set, Mason taking the second. And the longer this goes, Evan, and obviously everything that I'm saying here is barring injury, you'll see Mitch start, you'll see Mason on the sideline, and you'll see Kenny inactive. And you'll see Kenny in the background learning and probably spending this year as a developmental year. I know that's not what a lot of fans want to hear. I'm not necessarily sitting here advocating it. I don't have a problem with it, but I'm not going to form a really, really strong opinion on anything until I see this offense in at least exhibition action. Now, I do feel like throwing one last thing in here before we go, and this is aimed at you, Evan. If you're this intensely interested in how the quarterbacks will play out over the course of the season, bear this in mind. This offense, through just one week in Latrobe, has been, I don't know if dominated is too strong, but has been engulfed at times by this defense. Now, that should sound about right to you. This defense should be ahead of this offense, not just on talent, but also in terms of experience. Look who's on that side of the ball, how long they've been playing that system, and, you know, the fact that they've got T.J. Watt over there blowing stuff up and making one-handed interceptions and everything else. What I'm saying is that if this offense were to sputter, you know, all bets are off. All bets are off, meaning even if just the offense sputters in a collective sense and it feels like it's the quarterback who isn't making it happen. You know what I mean? That's when you start looking for a different voice to come out of that huddle. I appreciate the question again, and I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. By the way, if you like what you're hearing on this show, I'd also appreciate if you could find a place to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts makes a big, big difference toward our listening base and expanding how easily it becomes for people to find us via search. Again, that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Just go on there, leave however many stars you feel are appropriate and say whatever it is that you want. But leaving a review in general is the main thing. We'll do this again tomorrow.